Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LBC Podcast. Hey, today we're going to be tackling a difficult topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, defining our words. Does doctrine matter? Do our words matter? We're going to be uh, really diving deep in some of the things that tend to divide the Church of Jesus Christ. And are there points that are worth dividing over? Um, these are some of the topics that we're going to cover, as well as hearing a brief testimony from our very special guest. But joining me, as always, is our faithful producer engineer, Elijah Tran. Hi. Hey. You were just t- saying earlier that you don't get to hear your voice on the podcast, but I swear you're on here every episode. So. <laughs> I think he needs a microphone. <laughs> and that voice is the one and only Pastor Eric Burns. Hello, and count me as one vote for Elijah getting a microphone. <laughs> Elijah's got to be on the podcast one day. Maybe what's the life of a podcast producing worship tech? It'd be worth it. Uh, our, our special guest here today is a man that you may have seen on stage playing the keys and singing along with a sweet, sweet voice. Uh, he's somewhat new to our church, but uh, didn't take long before we were asking him to come on staff to help out with our finances because he's a bit of a unicorn like that. Uh, joining us today, if you haven't figured it out, is Eloy Romero. Hello. How are you doing, Eloy? I'm doing well. Good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's good having you on. Uh, Eloy's got also a, his own private podcast, which is called what? Just Grace. Just Grace. This is a shout out. On for Spotify. You. Shout out. Just Grace <laughs> podcast is me and my wife, Erica. Yeah, it's very, very fun. And he's got a silky smooth voice on there too, but a good voice for the gospel. Um, it's been a joy to have him here on staff. Uh, the reason why we have Eloy on with us today is we want to hear a little bit of his backstory. Um, as we're going to be kind of looking into to the topic of Pentecostalism, we're going to be looking at uh, what, is chari- what does it mean to be Pentecostal and charismatic, uh, word of faith, even dipping into that a little bit, and what does that mean, and really kind of a, a addressing the question that, you know, when we divide lines between certain Pentecostal charismatic ideas and certain more Reformed, biblical, we would say, ideas, um, are we splitting hairs? Are we causing unnecessary divisions? These are some of the things that um, really just bring up the ultimate question of, do our words, do our doctrines, do these things really matter to the point of sometimes dividing? Yeah, I think the the answer is yes. (laughs) Um, But you got to be very careful, and this is what's hard, is um, there are people who get... uh, tricked yeah or they get manipulated into a bad theology out of a desire to grow close to god sometimes out of a a desire uh to to feel relief from pain or to to feel uh, a sense of purpose Mm -hmm. and someone offers them this um kind of higher christianity yeah or offers them um, a solution to their problem, and they they follow because mm-hmm. the word pastor should be synonymous with the word trust. Yeah. You would think, right? You're yeah. Supposed to lead the sheep, and so then they they follow down this path, and it becomes destructive. And so, I want to keep that category on one hand, mm-hmm. and then there's another category of full on deception. Yes. They're trying to deceive you. Um, they're trying to gain influence. They're trying to build an empire and build a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about a theology as a whole, 
sometimes it, it feels like you're attacking the innocent people. Right. Although while innocent are in a, in a false gospel. Yeah. And, and that's to be taken with great concern. Uh, and so just, I, I wanted to throw that out because when we start drawing lines and separating, mm-hmm. um, if, if you know someone, you're like, well, that's them. Um, we're not demonizing them. It's like, man, you should probably talk to them about what does the Bible actually say and challenge the things they're being said yeah. without challenging their intelligence and talent, uh, challenging you know, their intent and just challenging. Does, I don't think the Bible actually says that. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I think that this is a great spot before we dive in too deep to maybe clarify that we're not saying that you know everybody who subscribes to Pentecostal ideologies or beliefs, which really just boils down to, you know, that the belief that the apostolic signs and miracles and all of that, speaking in tongues of healing of all of that, that that is for today as well, that that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. Um, That's a very, very, very broad definition. Um, But we're not saying that everybody who's a Pentecostal is unsaved. Right. Um, You know, we, we all sitting around this table have benefited greatly from relationships with brothers and sisters who, sh- who share Pentecostal ideas yes, and who believe in Pentecostal doctrines, but who are actually saved because they trust in Jesus Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ for the salvation of their souls, mm-hmm. to forgive them of their sins. Um, we're, not, we're not out here saying that, the, that, you know, Pentecost, that all Pentecostals aren't believers, but what we are saying is that there, there is a lot of doctrine that comes out of Pentecostalism, typically, and charismatic. And this goes for Reformed circles as well. Yeah, We can err in all kinds of different ways. But specifically, it seems like within our culture, um, specifically the Word of Faith movement, really, yep. which, it, which I would say is heresy, mm-hmm. is a false gospel, um, that seems to have captured the imagination and the ear of the American church today. It's what's all over the airwaves. It's what's all over TV. It's, it seems to have the church's ear here in America and abroad all over the world. And so that's why I think it's important to address because these ideas creep in to even our churches. And even here at LBC, you can hear some of the lingo that gets thrown around without really thinking about the words that we're saying. We can inadvertently be preaching a gospel that isn't true. And I think what we're going to be seeing here today is that our words matter. Yeah, and that's my goal is you, you used a good word there inadvertently is to equip equip the people uh, to pick up on, hey, that I've heard that phrase before. Mm-hmm. I've heard that thought. I've heard that idea. And maybe I, maybe I shouldn't read that book. Maybe I shouldn't listen to that sermon. Maybe right. I shouldn't follow that person. And maybe I shouldn't subscribe to other ideas they're saying. Yeah. And, yeah. and to put a word of caution into people's minds and um, give them a vocabulary and a, and a foundation to think about this and also help other, you know, well-meaning Christians or um, people that aren't Christians because mm-hmm. they, they haven't actually heard the gospel, yeah. right? So that would be a little bit of what we're trying to do. Well, let's get going here. Eloy. Yes. Eloy is... You are a unique guy, not just because you're a brilliant musician and songwriter who happens to also crunch numbers. That's weird. I'm just going to put that out there. So I've been told. It. And it's and skateboards. You skateboard too? No. He was, he was doing <laughs> I an was ollie on over a, the trash what can. What don't you do? I attempted an ollie over the trash <laughs> he, can. He doesn't do a kickflip over the trash can. <laughs> yeah. But he can definitely get the skateboard There's over There's limits. It. 
for okay. sure. Okay, so you're human after all. Yeah. Okay. Barely. <laughs> well, Eloy, um, unlike Pastor Eric and myself, uh, had a bit of a different upbringing because you grew up Pentecostal in, in Pentecostal charismatic circles whoop, whoop. pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. And so um, why don't you just take, take, take a few moments right here and just share a little bit of your backstory of how you grew up in the church. Yeah, my church experience is uh, a lot different than, like you're saying, your guys' uh, experience growing up. With me, my parents were... They got saved when I was 11 months old. So usually what happens is the first church you get saved at, you know, mm-hmm. they're the ones that got it right. Yeah. You, you know, totally. that's true. That's yeah. usually how it happens. Yep. Which is totally normal. So is this, uh, it was a Pentecostal, uh, Pentecostal church. And um, so I'm 11 months old. That's all I knew mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, I was speaking in tongues when I was six years old very heavily pressed. Like when you're going to get your spiritual language, right? It's like, mm. you know, it's like that milestone. It's like, when's my, when's my kid going to speak in tongues for the first time? Yeah. And so that was, uh, that's something I experienced, you know, standing in the kitchen with my mom praying in tongues. And she's like, you know, like, Hey, starting it. Yeah. He, he got it. He got it. <laughs> wow. It's like, you know, when your kid rides a bike for the first time, it's kind of that experience. And you're yeah. just like, okay, this is, this is how it is. So did you know what you were saying? Oh, no. I didn't know what I was saying. Okay, just helping people understand. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you, you don't. You just trust, right? You, like, mm-hmm. you just trust that, okay, this is what this is, what this is about. Mm. Um, I wasn't scared. It wasn't anything scary at that mm-hmm. time. It's not, it's just, that's just what you did. You just spoke in this way, and somehow it built up your inner man, that quote, unquote. Mm. You know, talking about, I don't, I don't even know what that means, really. Even now, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> but yeah, so that that's something I experienced. And um, uh, a lot of times during church services, there was prophecy uh, where someone would speak, mm-hmm. thus saith the Lord, and they go off in this thing. And sometimes that's predicated by someone going off in some form of tongue, mm-hmm. right? And then there, that would be the interpretation. So this is an every week occurrence, you know? Yeah. Um, so someone would have like a word from the Lord and then they would interpret it to the church. Yeah, but spontaneously. Spontaneously. Yeah, it wasn't prepared. Okay. It wasn't anything like that. Music would play, right? We'd go for half an hour, whatever, and then it gets real quiet and you know someone's about to speak. And then you know they go off, right? It's mm-hmm. just that was the formula. And that and that's what happened. So and that, that, that was your normative. That, that, was, that was normative. And, yeah. and the words from God were never specific. It was, mm-hmm. you know, thus saith the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, I am with you. If you come close to me, I'll be close to you. And I will take you by the hand and lead you through the darkness. Thus yeah. saith the Lord. And it's just, you know, it's just, it was just vague mm-hmm. and general. And it's not anything that you can't get from God's word. Sure. Well, it's, you can get more from God's word yeah. than from that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, those are those were normal things that I was introduced to. So what what changed for you? I mean, because you're a part of a church now where we would define ourselves as cessationist. Um, you know, we don't. It's not the which, by the way, does not mean that we don't believe God does miracles or does things. We just don't believe that it's normative, and we believe that the gifts of healing and tongues and all those things ceased with the apostles when they died. Um, we believe God can heal 
and does heal. We believe that God does as he pleases. We just don't believe that we control the hand of God, yeah. uh, you know, all, all the time to, to do those things. So, I mean, that's way different. Even our Sunday services are way different than what you're describing. Yeah. Um, what happened? Like what, what kind of, yeah. I mean, what was your experience coming out of that? Yeah. I would say the most dangerous implication, I can't, it wasn't even taught. It's just implied was not the speaking in tongues. It was not necessarily pro- the prophecy. It was that you had to do these things in order to look like a good Christian. Mm-hmm. You had to behave a certain way in order to come across as a true believer. What they would call the evidence of your salvation sure. would be yeah. these kinds of signs. And if you didn't do those things on a regular basis, then you were losing your salvation or mm-hmm. you were backsliding. So you had to keep up um, these things and you had to like, they would say, it's like working out, you know, you got to keep going to the gym in order to stay fit. And mm-hmm. if you slow down, like that's what, so yeah, they never, so let me, yeah. let me, let me try to package that for you. Would this, would this phrase be true? So it's like you're saved by grace, but you're kept by works. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's like you come to salvation, God saved you. And they'll use that, that phrase a lot. Mm-hmm. That I'm a new man, right? It's biblical. But the problem is when they say that, what they mean is I've been saved from this formal, former life, yep. former sins, and now I have to keep up this good life that yep. I've been given by God. Yeah. Rather than I was saved by grace and I'm kept by grace. Like, just like you said, yep. saved by grace, but kept by works. Yep, and kept by, in, in some instances, manifestations and signs and wonders. As yeah. proof of that. As yeah. proof and evidence of. So that was the most dangerous thing. It was that implication. And so what changed for me was when that is not sustainable. That mm-hmm. breaks you. And you, yeah. you realize, you're like, I can't keep this up. Yeah. I can't do this. And, and you can do it 99 times out of 100. That one time crushes you. Because then you think, oh, I've let God down. Um, I'm not a good Christian. Maybe I'm not even saved. Got to ask God in my heart again. Mm-hmm. Right? It's that constant worry. There was no security. Mm. There was no assurance yeah. of my salvation no in rest. Christ. There was no rest. Right? It was just constantly keep up, keep up, keep keep up. And that, and that eventually comes, uh, for most people, I mean, like myself, it just there come, it comes an end eventually. So, so I'm looking at this mm. point, like there has to be something more. There has to be something better. So many of the people that I grew up with that are my age ended up leaving the church because it broke, mm. you know, like I can't keep up with this. So I'm not even going to try. But when that's the only church that you know, and that's the only yeah. uh, doctrine and theology you, you have been exposed to, then that's all you think Christianity is. Yeah. So there's two responses. You can go and completely reject everything that you've been taught because like you said, a lot of it, it's true. Mm-hmm. What they're teaching is true. Not everything's wrong and right. not everything's bad. Right. But uh, you can just reject everything or you can say, okay, this doesn't add up. And if Christianity is true, what is, uh, you know, what is the thing that's, that needs to be corrected? And that started with, I was introduced to expository preaching mm. through YouTube when I was, <laughs> when I was in my late teens, sanctified YouTube, sanctified YouTube. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that YouTube algorithm, man, it really, <laughs> I'm telling you, it works. It worked. I don't know what it, it, it you know, it knew what I needed, I guess, yeah. but that's yeah. all God. 
And yeah, I was exposed to the first video I ever watched was mm. Justin Peters. Oh yeah. On oh, Word wow. of Faith. Who just spoke here at LBC. Who just last spoke July. here at yeah. LBC. And when I got to meet him, I was like, dude, yeah, Justin, like your videos helped, you know, me. helped me. It was a tool mm. God used to change the course of my life. And, you know, that was just an awesome thing to experience. I'm glad I got to meet him yeah. and, and say that. Yeah. So I'm exposed to his videos. Then the YouTube recommendation, guess who comes up right after that? John MacArthur. Johnny Mac. And wow. I listen to John MacArthur <laughs> for the first time. And I go, wow, this preaching, mm. I've never heard preaching like this. Why is it different? Yeah. Why is it feeding something deeper than just my emotions? Mm. Why is it feeding something d- deeper than just an experience? Like I feel it in my mind. I feel it in my soul. It's mm-hmm. weird. And come to find out, it's just expository preaching that it's line by line through God's word, what it actually says, what it actually means, what it means for me and how I should apply it. And so that that's kind of when that changed. And it completely opened my eyes to a whole new world of what Christianity actually is, mm-hmm. not just this small sect that I've been exposed to. And so what brought you to LBC? What was the... So, uh, man, a lot of things changed. So with kind of going through this, I, I, I don't call it a deconstruction, more of a reconstruction, Ooh, right? That's it, a hashtag. I can th- see it. That's coming. a hashtag. Um, Romero Reformation. Yeah. It's it's not that <laughs> it wasn't taking everything and throwing it away. It was like these these fundamental things like yeah. say by grace, but kept by works kind of thing um, that wasn't taught, but it was implied. Um, so if you ask anybody, they'll deny it, but I lived it. It's implied. And um, so with that kind of running through my mind, I'm mm-hmm. reading the Bible in a whole, do, whole new different light. Because before I used to read it for this revelation, right, to get this new wisdom, to get this new insight. But now I read it to be like to see Christ. And now I see like the gospel and all of it, you know, how it points to Jesus in every area yeah. and how it points to the cross and the salvation and and, and just this whole uh, just meta narrative of of the gospel throughout the Bible. Mm. And I'm like, wow, it changed my life. So I'm reading. And now because I'm reading and because I'm now like on the side, like after church, putting on John MacArthur <laughs> or putting on, uh, you know, Stephen Lawson or putting on Paul Washer. Um, I'm like listening to that on Sundays after service. And I'm like, oh yes, that's what I needed. And with all that exposure to God's word, it changed now. Cause I'm on the, I was on the worship team then. I'm like, wow, the songs we're singing are not like what the Bible says <laughs> <laughs> or what it says correctly, you know, taught. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you sing a song about God splitting the Red Sea and uh, he'll do that for me. And you're just mm. like, that's a word. Mm. Amen. And then I'm, you know, we sing that song and I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, that was that was Moses. Yeah, that for was a very, that was very <laughs> specific reason. Yeah, yeah. And you're not a Moses. Historical, literal event. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and so it it, do, it just didn't. Yeah. So everything started to fall apart. Yeah. When it was held up to God's word, mm-hmm. everything was exposed, and I that I realized like I can't stay at this church or at mm-hmm. these churches that kind of function this way, and so by by God's grace and and just by um, you know, this kind of conviction that he placed in my heart. I was like, I, I told my, my wife when, you know, at mm-hmm. that time I was like, you we can't stay here. We have to move on. So we move on and we don't know where we're going. I don't know of any Bible, mm-hmm. you know, preaching churches like what I hear from YouTube. And so we're, we're just kind of 
waiting around. COVID happens. Churches are closed. Yeah. I'm just, we're just listening to, ser- uh, you know, sermons online. And eventually we get a call about uh, taking over for some youth leaders that were getting ready to go into the mission field. So it was for another church. And we went, hit it off. Things were great. So we're there. Um, then they ended up having a church merger, bringing in a different pastor who had that uh, kind of uh, a teaching that I was trying to get away, get from. away from. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't, it, it, I mean, he's, he's a cool guy. It's just like, hey, man, this yeah. isn't going to work. Yeah. And so we ended up moving on from there. And I, again, I'm like, I don't know where to go. And uh, one of my coworkers, she mm-hmm. reaches out to me uh, during lunch in the break room. She's like, what's going on, Eloy? I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go to church. She's <laughs> like, well, why don't you come to my church, which is LBC. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah, come over. We'll have, we'll have dinner, come meet the family. And then the next day, which would have been that Sunday, we'll, uh, we'll go to church together. And I was like, that's great. And so we did that. And in the process of that, I'm still wrestling with having to leave this church, mm-hmm. even though we visited LBC. So I reach out to you guys via Facebook and I get set up with Josh White and he meets me at, at a Starbucks and I go over all the things that, uh, were this whole, like it was a two and a half year journey of just mm. completely wrecked my life, completely yeah. changed my life. And so I, I tell him all these things and he's like, he's like, yeah, man, you should, you should find a new church. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, so I'm not crazy. <laughs> you have to tell him like it is. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, he's like, well, you, you can come visit LBC. And I was like, well, yeah, we're kind of already in the process of, of seeing, checking you guys out. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of when it happened. August of 2021, mm. we've been here. And I'm telling you, everything is, has changed, not because it's this specific church, right. but it's because it's this specific word, Amen. the Bible, that's right. God's word. That's, that's right. what changed me. And so finding the church that puts an emphasis on that is what God exposed me to mm-hmm. what's now four years in the making of that since the beginning, it was, it was God's word that got me out of that. It was God's word that, that brought that to light. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that's such a testimony. Hopefully you listeners hear this. That's such a testimony to the power of God's word alone of how much, uh, you know, for, for those of us who are saved, for those who, you know, who possess the Holy spirit, um, for those who are in, so I should say indwelt by the Holy spirit, God's word should come alive. I mean, that's something that should that should be just like you were kind of describing it. It's almost like like water for a thirsty soul. Yeah, like real rich food for a hungry soul. That once you get it, once you taste it, you just want more. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful testimony to the sufficiency of God's word. Yeah, I'm just I'm grateful that uh, you were able to to put that together. Yeah, I think some, I think where your you you hit that fork in the road, and I think one of three things happens. Um, your story, right? They they find out that they need the preaching and teaching of God's word. They leave the church, like you said, some of your friends. And the third category is the one that just breaks my heart the most: is they double down, they mm-hmm. try harder. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm not having enough faith. I need to. Um, trust more, give more, try more. And so they throw themselves completely into it, thinking that will finally fix uh, the the starvation of their soul and spirit of what's happening inside. Mm -hmm. And that's where it, I think, you know, people want to say you're splitting hairs, um, you're being mean. And it's like, no, this is highly abusive towards people. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not, okay, that was a fun few years and now we're going to try something else. Like you even hinted at it a little bit. You, you would find the weight mm-hmm. and the pressure of having to do more. And, and every failure is your fault. Try harder. What's wrong with you? How come you don't believe more? How come you don't have more faith? How come, you know, why aren't you making this happen? And it's like, yeah. especially at a, as, as a teenager, you know what I mean? Yeah. And when you desperately just are trying to get it right. And so that's why I think it's important um, that you don't just take, take some of this theology lightly. It can really yeah. mess with people. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd be curious, Eloy, to get your take on that, because what Pastor Eric just said right there about splitting hairs mm-hmm. is a phrase that we actually, we're not using that lightly. That's a phrase that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anytime we talk about Bethel Church, which we've done podcasts about that in the past and why we don't sing their songs, um, anytime, you know, there's ministries sometimes in town that, or people or names that you have to name from the pulpit sometimes, yep. it seems like anytime that happens, there are those even within LBC that want to stand up and say, hey, we're not to divide Christ's body. Don't be divisive. Stop splitting hairs. Um, What would be your response to that? Um, Whenever you see leaders in the church speaking up and saying, no, little minute words matter, what would you say to the critics of that idea? Those that would say, oh, you're just splitting hairs. You need to stop it. Yeah, when it comes to that and splitting hairs... For me, as someone who only knew that form of Christianity, unless someone would have divided that line mm. and, clear, and clearly showed me like where I was off. Which was Justin Peters. Which was Justin Peters, yeah. which was John MacArthur, which was Paul Washer. Mm-hmm. Um, unless somebody came and showed me that, I wouldn't have known. I would have felt this emptiness. Yeah. I would have... I would have been lost and like, I don't know what else there is. I don't know what else is out there. If this is all Christianity is, I'm done with it. But because someone came along and and divided that line and split those hairs, I like a mirror was Mm. held up to my face and I said, okay, Mm. either one, I need, I need to repent or two. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and, and part of that too, I, I can see a lot of people being in that camp of like, wow, I didn't know. Yeah. And so unless somebody comes in and defines it, then a lot of people just don't know. So it's important because it it can save lives. Literally, it can save lives. I think of Matthew 7 when you talk about the people that double down. Oh, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't Mm. we cast out demons? But I never knew you. That could have been me. Terrifying. Yeah. That could have been me if I would have doubled down. Mm. That's why it's important. John, can I answer the question too? I'll allow it. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, the, the reason, because I, I get I get accused of this, um, and man, the, the desire is not to split hairs, grandstand, uh, be a Pharisee, um, stand on a theological soapbox. Mm. Um, and so I'm just, I'm going to walk through just a few things quickly here. And, you know, you guys jump in if it sounds crazy is, uh, there, people who believe this, one, I don't think fully understand that what they believe is wrong. So they, so they always disagree. Mm-hmm. And so there's this temptation to um, say, well, they don't believe that. They said that. So when we say things like they believe in a different Jesus, right. it's like, well, no, we don't. We believe in the same Jesus. You're putting words in my mouth. And so that's where this gets sticky. And so I just want to briefly kind of walk this through with you. 
So they'll say something like saved by grace, kept by works is what's practically happening. They won't admit that, but it's what's practically happening, yeah. right? And so when you read John 6 and John 10, we, the reason we say it's a different Jesus is Jesus is very clear. All that the Father gives me, I lose none. Right. None can be snatched out of my hand. Right. So that includes yourself, right? So if you believe in a Jesus that can lose you, not keep you, or you can open his hand and pluck yourself out, mm-hmm. Or you can slip through. However, you want to define that. That's a different Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's also Jesus saved by grace. Jesus does part of the work. You do the rest. Hmm. That's not Jesus paying the full weight, full penalty, the once for all payment. Right? right. So you see, that's a different Jesus. That's a partial Jesus, a half Jesus, a you know ten percent or ninety percent. It's not a hundred percent. Jesus does the full work. Okay. So when we say it's a different Jesus, they don't they aren't able to put together the puzzle pieces and realize, oh, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so we're not it's not just, oh, you don't trust them or no, no, no. They don't realize what they're saying. But you take the statements of Christ Himself and you read the New Testament, you don't see that. You don't get that. So if you have a different Jesus, you have a different gospel. Yeah. Right? Gospel, what's the what's the bad news? We're sinful and we can't pay for the price that our sin has created. Right. Good news, Jesus pays for it. Right? That's the good news. It's not good news if Jesus pays for part of it, but you still have to pay the rest. Right. Right? That's kind of good news. <laughs> right? But then when you read the rest of it, it's like, wait, you're dead in sin, so you can't pay for the rest of yourself. You're a child of Satan. You can't pay for it. No one is good. No, not one. Right? Mm-hmm. God alone is good. It's like, well, if those are all true, then... How am I going to pay the rest? I can't. Right. I'm still stuck with bad news. Right. So you have a different gospel. Right. So so you start walking this through. If you have a word from the Lord, right, you have God's word is the Bible. So when you have a word from God, you have words from the Bible or you have on the equivocal. Right. Mm. So you're speaking scripture. So now you'll find a lot of these people in this. They don't need to read their Bible because God just tells them. Right, and so now you're divorcing Bible reading from what does Jesus tell Peter? Feed the sheep, feed the sheep. Right? What's the command? Teach the Bible, teach them God's word. So now you're divorcing a primary means for spiritual growth. Yeah. Right? From milk to meat, God's word. You're taking it out and you're supplementing it with you praying and trying to weed through a combination of your feelings, insecurities. And maybe actual things you're wrestling with that that kind of come from the Bible and don't, right? And then you, on top of that, now you also have a, a false hope. If I just believe enough, try hard enough, do enough, mm. and, and so now you have mm. a potentially depressed person, uh, a, an abused person who's trying so hard but not because they're being given the wrong, you know, the wrong ways or tools to approach life. So to me, that's not splitting hairs. Yeah, yeah, like 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 we're trying to help people. We're trying to help Eloy. Yeah. It's a whole different haircut. Yeah, it's a whole <laughs> different haircut. That's right. <laughs> I like that. I think that sometimes we get so, and people get so um, passionate yeah. about these things, and 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 critics who would say that we're splitting hairs would get so passionate about this because I think that it it does get really muddy when both sides, those who are outright heretics. 
like those in the Word of Faith movement, um, versus those who kind of inadvertently just kind of get little pieces wrong that leads to bad theology. Yeah. Um, and I do think there's a difference there. You absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and and then those of us who would say, you know, hopefully I, I pray to God that we are faithful to what God's word says and right. God's word alone, and that's what we stand on alone. Um, the problem is, is that we use a lot of the same terminologies. Yes. But the reality is, in practice and yep. in teaching sometimes, but mm-hmm. mostly in practice, I think what you're saying, Pastor Eric, is that we use the same terminologies, but we have vastly different definitions for those terminologies. Yep. And conclusions. And so when you have specific words that are, that are thrown around a whole lot, it sounds like we're speaking the same language. But in reality and in practice... It means something totally different. And it can be something very subtle. Let me just share this, this quote right here. This is, this is from Michael Todd, who I would say, mark and avoid. Terrible, mm. yep. terrible theology. Um, but he is the hot pastor that's like up and rising. And if you look at what he does on Sunday mornings, it is a slick production. The guy is top notch in all of his productions. He's got all the celebrities in his pocket. Oh, man. Um, terrible theology. Mark and avoid. But listen, listen to how this sounds. I mean, just imagine if you didn't know who this was. He says this. Uh, this, is, this is, you know, he put this out on Twitter. This is his own little quote. Jesus's questions are never accusations. They're always invitations. He doesn't want to punish you. He wants to bring you into abundant life, but you have to let him. Wow. Yeah, see, that's, that's where you're not splitting hairs, is you, kind of getting back to what we said earlier, open Jesus's hand. You give Jesus permission to put his hand. You are the center of the theology, and Jesus is kind of your your helper yeah. Who's and cheerleader who's just waiting for you uh, to let him cheer on and give more and participate in, in your your life. Mm. Yeah, so that that's that's heretical and that's that's bad. And uh but what's what's hard is it's extremely motivating yeah right if you're if you're a lost person and you know maybe you have a broken home and things aren't working out and you're confused and someone's like there's there's this great life for you and and god actually wants it for you but you have been holding him back and so all of a sudden that takes it out of well oh um, God is always for what I want as long as I do it the right way. I, I give him permission. I let him in, <laughs> right? And so then it's like there's a way out of this. Yeah. Just tell me the next five steps, and I'll have this great, you know, grand life that I've always wanted. You've now unlocked why I'm sad yeah. and now given me hope. Eloy, what do you hear when you hear that? Uh, yeah, when you let... Uh, what, what, what was that ending line? How would he say it? Uh, he doesn't want to... So talking about Jesus, Jesus doesn't want to punish you. He wants to bring you into abundant living, but you have to let him. You have to let him. Uh, what's like what Eric's touching on. It's it's so comforting, right? Yeah. To say that, oh, it's in my hands. I have the power to do it. I have the power. What yeah. is the worst feeling and what we as Americans hate is when it's out of our hands and out of our control. I mean, look at COVID yeah. or look yeah. at whatever, right? We, we hate not being in control. And so what that theology allows is comfort to say that I did this. So I feel good. Mm. I can do this and then I'll feel better. And it creates this, you're, you're your own savior. 
at that point. Yeah. And the only thing stopping you from this abundant life is yourself. Yep. And that's assuring for a lot of us because if it's up to God and his sovereignty or if it's up to, you know, just faith alone and you're just like, well, I need something tangible. I need something. I need to, you know, speak in tongues or I need to prophesy. <laughs> I need to have something to, yeah. to show it yeah. um, rather than uh, simple faith, simple trust yeah, to I know am. that God's word is true. And really, when I read this, it's, it's exactly what you said, Eric. It, it's creating two different Jesuses here. Yes. Because the Jesus of Mike Todd mm-hmm. is, is powerless unless I move. Yep. Bottom line. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm the one who has to give God permission. I'm the one that has to allow him yep. to do things. Versus the God of the Bible, which completely blows that up. The one who holds all authority. Yeah. The original. The yep. word through which and by which all things were created by him, through him, and for him. Yep, and th- this um, is where we, we don't want to camp on Bethel too much. And I know um, Bill Johnson retracted, but then unretracted. But it's it's the it's the Jesus who's just a man, right? So there's no hypostatic union. It's not fully man, fully God. It's yeah. just man who has access to the Spirit, right? Yeah. And so the Holy, he obeys properly and lives properly and is able to access the Spirit and have that kind of life. Mm. And it's dangling it in front of people, mm-hmm. going, you can do this too. Well, that's a false Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and, and and it's a false hope because we're not Jesus. Mm. And, and, and to give people the idea that they can function as the God-man, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's, that's terrible. Now, a theology that puts you in the driver's seat is the same sin of the garden. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. well said. It's, it makes, it yeah. puts you as God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's where we always wanted to be, mm-hmm. on His seat. God is withholding from me, and it's up to me to make up the difference. And then you walk through that, and it's just like Adam and Eve. It's going to be disappointment after disappointment, and either you'll try harder, which we've talked about, or you'll quit. Mm-hmm. And our prayers through walking through this conversation, you'll have a a, a moment where, like Eloy. And go, wait a second. Yeah. That's that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Let's do let's do one more. This is this is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say yet who this one's by because it'll uh yeah, I'm not gonna say. But he says this. This is a this is a direct quote um just a few days ago actually on his on his Instagram. And he says this. He says, We have and just see how good this sounds, listener. This is what we talk about splitting hairs and why and why it matters. Because I think you guys are going to sniff it out real quick here. It says this, We have the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have the name that is above every name, Jesus. And then he says to pray this, Father, thank you for giving me the right to use the name of Jesus. I have faith in that name, and according to your word, I receive the power of that name in my life. I am victorious because I believe in and use the name of Jesus. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, that one's a little bit more muddy, but it uh, it treats the name of Jesus like a get-out-of-jail-free card. There it is. That's, that's what's really concerning. As long as I have the name and I say the name, mm-hmm. then I can do as I please and as I need. Um, problem is, you you know this, I don't know if you were a kid like me and just thinking 
uh, you know, as long as you said the Lord's prayer, that you could ask whatever you want, you know, cause in the name, you know, yeah. and so like that, that it, it doesn't work that way. So then you're like, well, I said the name. Well, did I say the name right? Did mm. I have faith when I said the name? Yeah. Uh, did I need to repent of my sin before I said the name? You know, did I say it properly? So all these things go through your head and, and, and all of a sudden you're just trying to navigate a formula, right? To see, did, did I not add enough of this, enough of that, enough of this, instead of actually wrestling with the conclusion that maybe God is saying no. Mm, yeah, You exactly. don't get that. That's not for you. That's actually bad for you. And maybe that's better. Yeah, and maybe that's better. And <laughs> Maybe God knows something we don't. And sometimes, and this is what's hard for people to wrestle with, and this is why this theology is so appealing, is sometimes, I mean, the, the story of Job is real. God says, you're going to go through this. Suffering is the plan, mm-hmm. right? The life of Paul, suffering is the plan. You're going to go to prison, right? And you, you look at Philippians and you read through it, and he, he says, hey, guys, it's in one twelve. I want you to know that what happened to me actually advanced the gospel, Right. He's like, I'm in prison and this is actually a really good thing because like people are coming to know Jesus. Right. right. And so it's kind of putting in their head that, hey, you're going to think that this is like punishment. Yeah. But this is actually like really amazing. Yeah. And and so people don't want to wrestle with sometimes God says you're going to go through this. It's going to hurt. It's going to be bad, but it's going to be good. It's mm-hmm. going to be good for you and, and it can glorify God and it's going to help others. And so but when you start with the premise of all suffering is bad. Therefore, I have to run from it. So if I'm suffering, then something's going wrong and I need to correct it. That could never be what God wants for me. Yeah. And the, the problem with that language in that quote that you just quoted, John, uh, it, it hints on what Pastor Eric you know, preaches mm-hmm. all the time, is in that quote, he wants to use the mm-hmm. name Jesus. Twice right. he says it, yeah. But I love that Eric shares this all the time from the pulpit. It's not about... You know, we want to use it, but it's about loving the person, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. That's where that's at. And that and that allows you to go through what Paul went through. Right. Because it wasn't about, oh, I can use his name and get me out of here. It's yeah. like, no, I love the person, Jesus, so much that I'll endure the chains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the prayer here, and by the way, this is by Kenneth Copeland. Uh, if you don't know who Kenneth Copeland is, don't worry about it. He's, yeah. he's the guy who, who blew COVID away prophetically. And it didn't go away. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, twice here he says, you know, Father, thank you for giving me the right to use the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the ickiest, yeah. ickiest sentence I think I've ever heard. And this is right on the heels of him already declaring that it is the name that is above every name, right. that it is the name of the King of Kings, is his own words, and the name of the Lord of Lords. And somehow God's given us the right to use that name. I'm victorious because I believe in and use the name of Jesus. It makes it seem like it's a, it's a trinket or an amulet that we wield at our own will. Yeah. To determine our destiny. Well, think, think if you and loved I'm, your spouse and that I'm, way. And before people think I'm putting words in his mouth, yeah. that lines up with the rest of Kenneth Copeland's messages yeah. and everything that he teaches. So I, I, I think it's safe to say the heart with which he's saying this as well. We can, we can understand what he believes. What were you saying? Oh, I was just saying, think if you loved your spouse that way. You know, it was like, <laughs> oh, I love what my wife does for me. It can do for me. But, you know, yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't love the person, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. what kind of relationship is that? That's not the relationship God wants us to have with him. Well, it's not a relationship. It's a transaction. Yeah. And that's, and that's unfortunately what you've seen a lot of this. It's a, it's a quid pro quo. 
Yeah. I did this, so Jesus will do that. And then you get angry at Jesus when he doesn't, or you get depressed with yourself that you didn't do enough. Mm. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. I mean, talking about words, um, hopefully, listener, what you're hearing is that what we're trying to get a, a point, the point that we're trying to get across here is that our words matter. They absolutely matter. And these little minuscule things, the minutia of doctrine matters. And so even though somebody comes out and they look flashy and they're talking about Jesus and they're using all the church words, we as believers in Jesus Christ need to have the biblical discernment to be able to look through it, Uh to understand, no, that doesn't sound quite right. And that's really ultimately what discernment is. Yep. You don't have to know all the answers to be able to have the discernment to say, that sounded funny. Right. You know, even when it comes down to using Jesus' name, that that sounds funny. I need yeah. to I need to look into that. It is everybody's responsibility to study God's word, um, to know theology, to, to to come to know who God is according to his word, so that we can identify these things. Because little bits and pieces that are off in doctrine, the little minutiae can lead to very errant theology to where we're not even worshiping the same God anymore. Right. And so um, this is why it's important. This is why pastors and elders are to stand guard and stand watch. Um, This is why we are to know God's Word. Um, Let me just wrap up with just some words, and I'll throw this to you, Eloy. All right. Um, I live in the world of worship, and and like there's, we've shared it before, there's tons of terrible worship songs out there, Um, a lot of them coming out of these very ministries that we've seen. Um, There's key words that I always always hone in on to kind of, you know, that are typically red flags to me. Um, and I'm curious to get your take on, on some of them. And so these are, these are words that are churchy words, but while we may be using the same terminology as those in the Word of Faith movement, um, or even those of you know, lesser like Pentecostal churches, um, we can use the same terminologies but have different meanings. Um, I know what I mean when I hear the word anointing, mm. But that gets thrown around all over the place. What do you hear from with a Pentecostal, more of a Pentecostal mindset? What does anointing mean? Yeah, I mean, that's a word I've heard a ton growing up. And anointing or being anointed was usually um, probably it was like an adjective to describe the person on stage. So either the preacher or the worship leader. Um, You know, the nursery worker was never anointed. You know, so it kind of sucked. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it was only it was only the the the, like the entertaining people. Whoever, and the more entertaining, the more anointed, right? Mm. The better the singer, the more yeah. anointed, right? The more better it was preaching. more moved you, right? Yeah, that that was like that's just always seen to correlate, and so uh, it was anointing means somebody who's good on stage. <laughs> like, <Really>. Okay, <laughs> really? I mean, it was never so the person somebody who seems to have like an extra touch, yeah, from God or yeah. an extra, I don't know. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I was told that all the time because yeah. I, I, I was singing in church when I was four years old. Oh, that, that, that kid's anointed. That boy's anointed. Yeah. You know, but my older brother who didn't sing, you know, he wasn't anointed, you know, but we grew in the same household. We sat in the same pew and we, just cause I sang, you know, it, it was always those, those, dis, those gifts that are displayed yeah. in so front of the congregation that were the most anointed. And so it always seemed a little skewed. Here's yeah. how I would put it in a, in a phrase is uh, you seek the gift and not the gift giver. Right. And so, uh, the, cause when you seek the gift, it's because it does what, what Eloy says, it puts the, um, the emphasis on you. It puts the glory comes to you. The praise comes to you. 
And I think that's when, when people think, oh, you're anointed, it, it's that special tag. And it goes against what you see in, in 1 Corinthians, that you're a body, and that the pinky is just as important as the bicep, and that's the right. bicep as the leg, and you yeah. know, and the eyes, and the eyes can't say they don't need the nose, and the nose can't say they don't need the eyes, that they're all important. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in not just Christianity, in humanity, we love a grading system. Right? Mm-hmm. So even in Christianity, you want to be that, you know, 97% Christian. And and that's where the anointing Christians are. Yeah, but it creates a hierarchy. Uh-huh, the yeah. hierarchy. But yeah. your brother, he can't see. He's in that, you know, 75% C, C plus range <laughs> Christian. And that's where if you have that, uh, if you pick up on that, then you can go to your brother and you can't sing. You're not anointed. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, you look down on people real quick. Really quick. Hey, they told me I'm anointed. Yeah. So yeah. One well, day you'll be then, like me. You know, you see the abuse of that uh, in in the bigger Word of Faith movement stuff, yeah. where touch not the Lord's anointed. You know, you're not even allowed to question. Yeah. Um, you got pastors who are going around actually saying this <laughs> to their congregations, where they're not allowed to be questioned, or they're not allowed. Well, yeah, and you you see, you, know. you see pastors start to say, "Well, you saw how many people were there, mm. right?" And they start judging things on results as if heresy can't draw a crowd. Yeah. So who is anointed? That's yeah. a pastoral answer. I know. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, that ain't for me. Is it, you, you mean biblically? You know, Biblically, who is anointed? I, I would say we're, we're all anointed. That's right. You know, that every, if you have the Holy Spirit, you've been uh, gifted and equipped and, uh, you know, called to, called to the ministry, called to share the gospel amen called to you know edify the believer called to love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind you're a citizen of heaven you're a saint you're a child mm-hmm. of god you know mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. metaphors that apply to us yeah first john 2 uh verse 20 uh john's just got done saying that those who who left were not of us mm-hmm. so he's talking about those that were unbelievers never were a part of the church and then he says this in verse 20 but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Yeah, and that's what's fascinating is the hierarchy uh, of Christianity goes all the way back to the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And Paul's constantly trying to tell them, you know, people are saying they were super apostles and he was a lesser apostle. And the Gentiles are saying that the Jews crucified Jesus and the Jews are saying that the Gentiles are dirty, you know. Yeah. And so that's why Paul gives so much scripture to, you know, being a part of the body and being equal. And, you know, it's about Jesus, not us. And we all sin mm-hmm. and we're all fall short and there is no hierarchy. So the next time you see Eloy playing on stage and he sings a song and mm-hmm. you're especially moved, uh, don't go up to him and tell him he's anointed. I'll have just, a breakdown. Just say like, no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Here's another one. This one's very popular. Uh, anytime we talk about the glory of God or fire, and specifically in worship songs, you hear this a lot about just calling down, hey, fire from heaven, hey, fire come down, fall on us, fall on us. We want to see your glory is one that, I think we kind of throw around a whole lot without necessarily, which isn't necessarily wrong in the right context. Uh, you know, but we want to see your glory, you know, all of all, all these things. What do you think about when you 
Yeah, I mean, I, I sang those songs. I led those songs. Uh, you know, I, I did too, actually, and, <laughs> back and in the day. So. so the motivation behind those lyrics, at least for me in that position, was to get a response. Mm-hmm. God's glory looked like people coming to the altar. God's glory looked like people raising their hands. God's glory looked like people crying. God's glory looked like people speaking in tongues. Yeah. That's what it looked like. So yeah. when we're saying, God, come, have your way, do what you want, you know, show us your glory, you know, fill us with your fire, whatever it is, we just want to see reactions. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the curse of the worship leader because it's like you want, it's your job to like move them, right? Yeah. Like in that, in that field, it's like, I got to get these people to respond. And one way to do that is just say it real clearly. Like, God, show us your glory. Yes, that's it right there. Um, you know, come to the front. Come on, God, God's glory is right here, <laughs> only up here. And, and yeah, so when I hear that, that's what I think of. It's just, honestly, it's manipulative. And it's just trying to force an emotion or an experience because God's word isn't enough. Mm. Well, and, and here's the thing. The, the part where I think sensitivity is important is, or where it breaks my heart is, people, the use in that scenario you're genuinely trying to help people come to jesus yes but your but your whole method is we need to sing louder or show more emotion or hit the solo mm-hmm. or bring more you know more instruments more more inspiring methods and this is where you said manipulate right yeah. to get them there but you, you're not telling yourself, hey, how can I manipulate some people to feel good this right. morning? Right. That, yeah. that no one thinks like that. Right. And that's why they get offended when you say that's mm-hmm. what's going on. Because mm-hmm. they haven't put it together through th- th- that linear progression of thought, you know, and, and weighted against the scriptures. And so that's why it's important. If you have these conversations with people, they're not just going, oh, yeah, I manipulate people on a, on a you know, weekly basis. That's not going to happen. No. Right. And so that's why a lot of this happens in conversations and over time. And you lovingly tell them, I don't, I don't think that's your role. I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. That's not what I see scripture saying worship is. Yeah. 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 And you know, there's, there's a, obviously I, I get song requests quite a bit and, uh, you know, a lot of times I, I don't have a song or I, I, I don't go with the song because it's got a lot of that language in it sometimes of, God, we want to see your glory. We want to see your glory. We want to see your glory. And as the worship leader, I mean, that's that's the thing that I think the church needs to understand is that the reason why I don't want my church to sing those words mm-hmm. is because when I look at the glory of God, if you do a word study on it just in Scripture, it's very different than what you were describing, Eloy, about we're having this great, cathartic, amazing emotional experience before God at the altar. Um, the glory of God, biblically, you can't go near it. Yeah. When you, mean, you said fire and glory, I thought Moses. And Moses yeah. thought he was going to die. The tabernacle. I mean, when God fills the tabernacle, no yeah. one could go in. Yeah. So when I saw those songs, I was like, I don't think I want to sing that. I don't want to see the glory of God. That's, yeah. you know, that's that's death. Now, will we yeah. behold? I mean, we're yeah, not where, in this body. Where yeah, do we see? Body. I mean, we, we catch a glimpse of God's glory in creation. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see more more than anywhere. I, I believe we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in what he has done for us. And that's what we actually here at LBC choose to glory in on a Sunday morning. Mm. We boast in Christ because the more that we focus on the gospel and who he is and what he's done for us, the more our souls are fed and erupt in praise. Right. That's glorious all by itself. And one day 
we will behold his glory. Right. And we look forward to that day. Mm-hmm. But even then, I don't think it's going to be something that we can stand up under. Right. I mean, we need to understand the weight of the words that we're saying here. From what biblically God's glory, I don't want to treat it as small. And so this is these are areas where I think we've got to be more mindful and as believers to be able to think through these things. Yeah, that, that's a, a good a good word. Think of God's glory as small. Yeah, to think you've seen wow. the glory of God because you see dust falling. No. You know, Moses is trembling in fear. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And God's telling him, and this is just like a part of me, because if you saw any more, like you would die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we like to the worship backside. a God we can understand. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. That's mm. that's hard. All right. Hey, one more, and this one might, might step on some toes. Talking about the word dominion. This gets thrown around. Um, we see this especially in Bethel Church, and you know what's kind of seen as maybe a fourth wave that we're experiencing of Pentecostalism, which is what's happening in Bethel Church, the New Apostolic Reformation, Bethel Church. Uh, we could do a whole podcast on that. Um, you know, of of IHOP, not the pancake place, but the prayer church, right? Uh, Bethel Church and churches in Toronto. Um, you know, we see all of. Uh, this dominion theology that comes out and where they talk a lot about the kingdom of God here on earth. They talk a lot about the kingdom coming down. Um, dominion theology is what we call it. Uh, talking a lot, we even see it here. You see it in phrases, and this might sound a little more familiar to, to our listeners. You see it in phrases like in, in Bakersfield as it is in heaven. Yes. Um, get thrown around all kinds. What do you, what do you guys hear when you hear that? Start with Eloy. Uh, yeah. What I hear is again, it's, it's, you're in control. Um, you think that you can fix up this broken world. You think that God has anointed you to change, right? He didn't anoint his son to come and, and change the world. No, it's up Oof. to you to get up and change the, where Jesus left off, right? Cause Jesus wasn't powerful enough to fix everything, hmm. right? He just fixed hmm. the sin part. And that was, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what it does is this dominion theology, it, puts people in the place of God. That's what, that's what it keeps coming back to. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what it's you know, again, tangible. People can experience it. I can get on board with it. I can do it. Right. Put me in the arts, put me in politics, put me in yeah. movies, put me in yeah. music, put me in, uh, you know, education. Right. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can change this, but in reality, no, we can't. And I don't think people have gone to that point yet. Yeah. I, so so theologically, I'm gonna be a little nerdy, but this is why words matter, right? And I don't mm-hmm. this is why I don't think people understand what they're saying. Okay, so you're taking a piece of the of the Lord's prayer, right? And you're saying, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Okay. The simple which Jesus commanded us to pray. Right. Which Jesus commands. The simple part of that is, you know, God, what like in heaven, where everything you say is done. I want that to be done here. Mm. Okay. That's the simple principle, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to do everything you want here on earth, just like in heaven, they, everything you want happens. Now there's two parts now where that goes wrong. One, there's an assumption that earth is supposed to become a better place. So we're supposed to make earth like heaven, right? And so you see more and more and more people come to Jesus. Then you see less and less crime, less and less mm. sin, and earth becomes a utopia. 
and we kind of bring in the kingdom, right? So that's yeah. what we talked about, kingdom theology, dominion. So, so you're bringing in the kingdom by converting all the people. Earth is becoming a better place, and you're making it like heaven, mm-hmm. right? Because his will, like heaven, is being done here, okay? Now, the second part of that it is it assumes that there is no, no suffering and no shame. Because in heaven, what does Revelation tell us? That there's no suffering, no pain, no shame, no sin. Okay, So that you're supposed to now make earth like heaven. But mm-hmm. the Bible is telling you only heaven is like that. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you can't replicate what God has already separated. Yeah, it's like make my bathroom like my living room yes it's like why would you why that's not the same so that i will go to my bathroom yeah <laughs> no and, and totally so different thing so when when that kingdom comes and everything is done mm. and it is settled there it will be perfect right there will be an end but as long as there's sin there will be suffering there will be pain and there will be disease and illness and there'll mm-hmm. be wars and all of these things and it somehow separates that What's going on in heaven is what should be going on in earth, right? They're trying to blend those two things. Um, when when God's very clear, I create light, I mm-hmm. form, right? I bring about that he deals with sin and he uses, you know, man's evil for good. And earth and heaven are two completely different places. Yeah. And, and this idea that we can create heaven the way God has heaven up there. It's really bad. And and really, it, it flips everything. I mean, you're, yeah. you're kind of saying that, where we have to clean this place up so that Jesus can come. Yes. Um, which really, again, puts all the power in our hands. Yes. Anyway. And, and really, what we're describing here is post-millennialism. Yeah. And f- so for those who would say, well, what does it matter if you're post-millennial or whether you're pre-millennial or whether... Well, I mean, it does matter because post-millennialism, you, you, you have to kind of abide by this dominion theology. A little bit, know. yeah. Yeah. Um, there's you know, some that'd be more nuanced, but yeah, uh, to be nerdy again, they, they <laughs> would say that your your eschatology is driven by your ecclesiology, right? So your ecclesiology is your your purpose of the church. Mm-hmm. So if the purpose of the church um, is to do works and make Earth better and utopia, your endpoint is going to be post millennial, yeah. right? So those two work together. Um, I, I would say in an all male or pre male position. Your ecclesiology would be more to glorify God. Mm-hmm. So while we're here, we want God to be glorified, magnified, praised, right? And so that's your purpose. Your endpoint is that final judgment of the glorious God, making all things right, every knee bowing, every tongue confessing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So all your actions, your purpose of your church is that God would receive that glory. Amen. So that's that's how those two drive together. So that's why, you know, if you have a different Jesus, different view of the church, different view, these things come together through the scriptures. Yes. So we, we've mentioned a lot that, um, or at least I've kind of brought up a lot, that the main issue is putting yourself in power, putting yourself in control, making yourself like God. The biggest chapter in the Bible that completely wrecked that idea for me coming out of that was Romans 9. Oh, yeah. I read through Romans 9, yeah, and I thought, why have I never heard this preached before? Mm. Why have I never read this before? 
at least in this way, to like really understand that God's sovereign. God's ultimately in control. It's not me. Amen. So he's sovereign over my salvation. He's sovereign over uh, the world. He's sovereign over to keep me. Um, once I read through that, I felt, you know, the Holy Spirit illuminate that mm. in me. And that is what changed me. Ultimately, I mean, that's one of the big key pillars of what brought me out of that, because that is the underlying thread between all these bad theologies. You're in control. Yeah. And Romans 9 destroyed that for me. Makes it absolutely clear. Can I elaborate on that? Yeah. Okay, because this is why it's so important. Romans 9 makes the categories very clear. Mm -hmm. I am the potter. You are the clay. Those categories have nothing to do with each other, meaning... Clay is an inanimate object. It can't do anything, right? A potter can talk, walk, think, feel, dream build, and dream, yeah. right? And so what some of this prosperity, health and wealth, Pentecostal theology does is it blends the categories, right? So that I am like the potter and the potter is like the clay, and there's times when I get to be the potter and there's times when mm. the potter is the clay and, and it comes out in different and more, some are more bold that they'll say we're little gods, right? And God's a, a big G God and Jesus was a little mm. G God and they'll mm. work through that. Um, but that's what's happening because you're bending the potter. So then it, and when you're bending the potter, the potter's functioning like clay. And when you're bending it, then you're functioning as a potter, bending the clay part of him. Mm. Right. So that's a category mistake. And he makes the categories very clear. If you're a lamp made out of clay, you didn't have a part in that process. Right. You, you weren't being formed at the base and you're like, I think I should really be a pen. He's like, no, I think you're going to make beautiful lamp. It's like this negotiation. Why? Because the clay can't talk. <laughs> the clay can't communicate. <laughs> It's objectively an inanimate object. Right. Right? Yeah. And so it makes it so clear. And what you see is people trying to blend the two categories, and it creates a mess of everything. Yeah. And this is why Paul's very clear. Who are you to say? Right? He's the potter. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, the things you don't like, you have two choices. Either I change the potter into something I like more, which is now you're making him clay because you're forming him mm. or you just trust the potter. Amen. Right. And that's really what Paul's getting at is do you trust the sovereignty of God? He's a perfect judge. He's a perfect creator. He's a perfect King, perfect state. He's all of the things perfectly. And when I don't understand and it doesn't make sense to me and, it, and I don't like it, will I just trust the potter? Mm. And so our desire here at LBC is just that, that you would trust the potter that you would rest in the gospel, Amen. Um, that yes. you would find your all in all in him to recognize that, hey, there are no new words from God. <laughs> there are no, you know, fresh revelations that are coming from heaven. He has said to us everything that we need him to say, and it's wrapped up in his word. He's done everything for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If somebody comes to you one day and says, hey, I have a fresh word from the Lord for you, they better crack open their Bible. <laughs> Amen. Better read you a verse. <laughs> Maybe God laid on their heart. I'm not sure. Um, these are areas that we need to be discerning in. And um, I think I would, I would put this out there to all of you listeners who are a part of LBC and those of you who aren't, to be praying for your pastors, 
praying for your elders, because hopefully what you've seen is just just a small little glimpse of how our words matter and the minutia of doctrine, the little details matter, because it can lead to all sorts of craziness if we're not careful. I hope you hear from our hearts uh, once again that, you know, we are not against our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. Um, I have many friends who have Pentecostal, you know, ish doctrines in their life. Uh, one of my favorite churches growing up was an Assemblies of God church who helped me grow in my faith and my love for God's Word. So it, it's it's not a blanket statement that says that everybody no. here is in error, and we don't want people to hear that. But there is definitely wings of the Pentecostal charismatic movement that are idolatrous and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to be able to differentiate what's bad doctrine, bad theology, um, and to be able to understand how the little details really do matter. This is just the first of what's probably going to be about three episodes. Um, I think later, uh, you know, we're going to be diving in a little deeper on what does it mean to have new revelation and a new word from the Lord. Does that even happen today? And we'll get to hear another testimony um, about that. But we want you, above all, to rest in the sufficiency of God's word. Amen. It is enough. What more can he say than to you he has said? The answer is nothing. He's given us everything that we need until we see him face to face, and it's found in his word. The LBC Podcast is a ministry of Laurel Glen Bible Church here in Bakersfield, California. Hey, if you've heard something here or you do want to learn more about what it means to grow in your faith, what it means to grow in your knowledge of God's word, we would love to meet you face to face. Um, You can contact us at laurelglenn.org. We would love to hear from you and get you connected to someone who can help you. Uh, Also, we'd love to see you and worship with you on a Sunday morning to hear expository preaching and to uh, just to glory in the gospel through song and through prayers and through hearing God's word. Uh, We have services every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10 a.m., and we would love to see you. Uh, There were some resources that were mentioned here on this this podcast episode as well, one of them being Justin Peters, and justinpeters.org is a website that's worth checking out if you want to hear more about this topic today uh, from someone who's lived it personally and has done a lot of study. It's a great resource that we would highly recommend. As always, we want to grow in the grace and truth that only comes through Jesus Christ. God bless.